Friday, February 23, 2024. My name is Jaron Jackson. I do love America. For me, it's always about the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Believe, obey the gospel for salvation. I want to start with Proverbs chapter 23, verse 9 through 17. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 9 and 17. And of course, I did not have my uh, Bible marked because I was all over the place. So please stand by. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 9 and 17, 9 through 17. Speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. Remove not the old landmark, and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. For their Redeemer is mighty, he shall plead their cause with thee. Apply in thine heart unto instruction, and thine ears to the words of knowledge. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Yea, my reins shall rejoice, even thy lips speak right things. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all day long. There's a lot in there. There's speaking about the instruction of a child, you know, uh, spanking them, disciplining them. Parents do not withhold instruction or correction from your child, which implies the parent has the authority and the right standard to know when the child is not doing righteousness and to then punish them. So it's less about just saying, hey, you're not doing right, but then also to make sure that the discipline is applied. Starts out by saying that there's going to be people who, who hear wisdom and turn off because they don't want it. Don't speak wisdom into the ears of the foolish because they're going to hate it. They're going to reject it. But when someone hears the wisdom and they actually go with it, it's a beautiful thing. It's a marvelous thing. It's great to hear people say things that are wise. Now with this, I want to speak about politics. I haven't done a politics live stream in a while, mostly because I just don't care anymore uh, about the party system and the personalities and the little statutes and the legislations and whatnot. And so I'd like to, if I may, Lord willing, do a live stream where we speak about repenting from politics and that this could be a standalone live stream that you can give other people that are trapped in the snare of the political back and forth. The people who are um, arrested, they are seized by um, the political games, the back and forth, the this is a, you know, a new star is rising or um, the Democrats are going to fill the Supreme Court with a bunch of, you know, whatever. Whatever the tropes are, these are generally aimed at getting you angry, getting you afraid, getting you greedy, and then imposing a tribal dynamic where you war against each other. And so your opponents also have greed and fear and anger, and you have greed and fear and anger, 
And so if you can both share greed, fear, and anger as emotions, but you recognize that each are to blame because there's a tribal dynamic imposed upon you, and you don't have the self-awareness to recognize someone's calling you something, why do I not like this guy? Why am I against these people? If you don't have the mind for that, then you are going to be manipulated and controlled. So by God's grace, I'd like to run through a couple different ideas to help illustrate this. First, I'd like to direct your attention to the way that you can bless me, my family, keep this ministry going and the content flowing for free, and that is to take the money that you're already spending on household products and switch it to American manufacturing. You can sign up at patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. Lord willing, today and tomorrow, I will be calling the people that I should have been calling because the phones were off and the internet was bad and then life happened and my son got baptized, and so I apologize. But if you sign up, this is an American manufacturing company. It's an opportunity to take dollars out of the woke corporate Marxists, out of the godless commies, and switch it over to American manufacturing. People can't buy a seat at this corporate table because it's a private membership association. So you are getting the advantages and the cost savings and the quality of products without hazardous industrial chemicals delivered right to your door you know, anytime you want to, uh, anytime you want to purchase, it is a beautiful thing. It's a great thing. It's also a great way to bless me, my family, and to keep this thing going. That's at patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. I want to move on. The very first thing I want to cover is the definition of politics. This is just from Google. It's just a Google definition. Politics, the activities associated with the governance of a country or other area, especially the debate or conflict among individuals or parties having or hoping to achieve power. Now, this is so beautifully illustrative of what I want to speak to. Because notice that while this Google definition from the Oxford definitions from Oxford languages, this definition speaks first and foremost to the activities. So the doing of something is implied. You are doing something in politics. Do not miss that. Do not miss that politics primarily is an activity. It's activities. It's things associated. So it is the work. It is the movement. It is the time investment. It's the thoughts. It's the speech. It's the travelings. It's the meetings, the assemblies. You are doing stuff. Doing stuff is a fundamental part of this. And it's the doing stuff that's associated with the governance of a nation, governance of a country or other area. So this could be your county, it could be your state, it could be America, it could be your HOA, it could be a golf club, it could be a, you know, whatever other associations you're in, the, you know, a church politics. Whatever the politics are, the activities, the stuff that you do is aimed at governing. Now, governing speaks to the rudder of a ship. Think of a really big ship and a really small rudder. The really big ship is changed and directed and uh, guided by that really small rudder. So all of these activities, talking about this really big thing, is really just a real small, small part of it, about the directing and the governing of that thing. But then it goes further after that comment, and it says, especially, which places an emphasis. So now there's an emphasis on the governance of this thing, especially the debate or conflict. So now you have a tribalistic, you have 
contra- controversy. You've got fighting. You've got necessarily two or more parties bashing and clashing with each other. The conflict among individuals or parties having or hoping to achieve power. Now, this is the first idea that I want to introduce. The very first idea that I want to introduce is that in American politics, if you were to try to summarize it, if someone were to say, where are you politically? Notice where they just said, where are you? You're located, so you're somewhere. Where are you located politically? Now we're speaking about the lens, the lens of politics, which is especially the controversy, the conflict regarding the governance of a nation. Most people in America are going to say, I'm either on the right or I'm on the left. That is a construction coming from the French General Assembly of 1789. The French General Assembly of 1789 was really about the support of the king, King Louis. Those who supported the king, the conservatives, were on the right side of the room. Those who did not support the king, those who wanted the revolution, were on the left side of the room. But make no mistake that the, that the division was predicated on the authority of the king. Who was sovereign? Sovereignty was the issue. Now, because people were divided on sovereignty, they then divided themselves physically. The right side of the room was more conservative. They wanted to keep the king. They wanted to keep the aristocracy. The left side wanted to overthrow it. They wanted to upheave it. They wanted to change it. And so that they were for the murkiness, the tumult, and the chaos. They went to the left. This is the guiding construction of American political thought today. If someone says that they're on the radical left, they are generally those forces most destructive to the order of the day. If someone is on the radical right, they are someone who's trying to be organized. Ultimately, they're wanting to return to something traditionally. They're wanting to retain or keep something that they uh, interpret as them losing. But make no mistake that the two sides are both divided over the sovereign entity, the sovereign authority. Now, this is interesting, in my opinion, because the French General Assembly that divided in right and left was in 1789. The U.S. Constitution was ratified in 1787. The Declaration of Independence was a full 13 years before the General Assembly in France. The reason why this is important is because America as a nation began and started and won her independence without the right-left construction. America did not have a get to the right if you support the king, get to the left if you support the not king. America's foundational documents and our, um, our founding was based on we are going to obey God. We said that there are truths that are self-evident because God in his providence as the judge of the universe gives gifts and based on that judge's gifting of the gifts and his working through his people, that is what we're working for. In other words, the foundation of America is uniquely and expressly Christian. Now we can look into what it, you know what doctrines were they believing and what denominations they had. We can get to those things. But make no mistake that the wisdom that was being applied was certainly one that was unified in recognizing that there is one sovereign, God, of the scripture, 
And that the way that you are really identified in this life is if you are in him or not in him. Matthew 12 and verse 30. You are either with Christ or against Christ. Now, politics is specifically focusing on the debate that people have because it's about trying to figure out trying to figure out how they uh, organize and govern, right? Like that's that's really what it's getting at. And so it gets back down to the definition. It gets back down to the definition of politics. The tribal dynamics, the fightings, the backs and forths, all these types of things. This is what it's getting at. Which this brings me to one bit of scripture. And then we're going to get to, um, we're going to, get to some stories in the national news. But I want to direct, direct, direct your attention to Romans chapter 1, verse 28 and 32. Verse 28 says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. So we're already speaking about people who do, who, who do not like. They don't like to retain God's knowledge. So the, the main indicator of these people, fundamentally, are people who reject God's knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind, a destructive mind, a, a, you know, an evil mind, to do those things which are not convenient. So people whose knowledge is not based on God are going to do things that are not convenient. Now, in this sense, it's not speaking about convenience from a worldly perspective. It's speaking about convenience from a heavenly perspective. So all the things that are being listed are not convenient for doing things that God wants. And if God is the supreme creator of all the universe, and God has ordered all powers, if you do things that are inconvenient against God, that are not good with God, you're going to get destroyed. So now Paul lists a lot of things that go against what God wants. He starts out by saying, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate. Full of debate. Do you realize what this is? Because right now your, your mind may be thinking, well, Jaron, we need to stand up for the truth. Isn't it 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 that says, set, a, set a Christ aside in your heart and always be willing to provide a reasoned defense for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ? Doesn't the Bible say that we're supposed to strive for the faith that was once delivered to the saints? Jude uh, verse 3? Yes, it does. But here... Debate does not mean standing for the truth. If you are a debater, you can argue any side of any issue. Because the issue of debate is not actually about truth. It's about power. It's about hoping to achieve power. So you will take whatever side of whatever issue you want in order to achieve power. Achieving power is the purpose of debate. So when someone is full of debate, they are going to argue whatever side they can in order to achieve power. This is why whenever you have constructions about right and left, there are those who are going to try to preserve and retain the power the way that things are. And there are those that are going to attack the power the way that things are. In either case, the right or the left, both are looking at the perception of power. Neither of them are looking at what God wants. So because neither side and none of these people are actually looking at what God wants, they're attacking each other. 
And they're full of debate because they want that power. They want to do politics because they're trying to achieve power. This is true today. It's true in America and it's true literally in every country in the world because this is not an earthly pursuit of righteousness. This is the earthly pursuit of knowledge and power. This goes all the way back to the garden. People are trying to get power and knowledge by eating the fruit, which is what God says don't do. Do not get power and knowledge and understanding that way. And really, it's just knowledge. It's not even about power. People say knowledge is power, but let's just focus on this. People want their way of doing things, which is ultimately idolatry. You want your way because it is your way. If it's not your way, then you're not getting what you want. You're getting what someone else wants. And this is why people coalesce. This is why people build parties. This is why they argue. This is why they build and scheme. And this is why they continue to construe things according to fear and scarcity and greed and the such. Now, they can also use good emotions like that of, you know, the, the bonds of fellowship. Your nationality, you know, uh, you know, you you want to be more closely related to those people that look like you. I'm going to go join with the white people. Well, I'm going to go join with the black people. I'm going to go join with the gay people. I'm going to go join with the not gay people. These are all manners of organizing people according to some type of pursuit of power. Now, the reason why this is important, and I'll just speak to something that's in the news today. Tulsi Gabbard who is a former Democrat representative, she is at CPAC speaking about, quote, mentality of dictators. Tulsi Gabbard is not a Christian. She's a Buddhist, right? She's She doesn't love Jesus. This woman is pro-abortion. This woman is pro-sexual depravity. This woman is absolutely no political conservative. But in the day and age of the post-Trump politics, those types of principles do not matter. And I'm arguing that they never mattered. I'm arguing that these principles have never been the issue. I'm saying that these principles are precisely the types of distractions that you can debate because you are pursuing power. And as you're pursuing power, you will raise up your champions. You will raise up your champions that will say what they need to say when they need to say it with the resumes that make you feel good about them, who they are, as they say the things that make you feel good. This woman supports butchering babies in the womb. So does Trump. Now, this is where I will confess my vulnerability is that I personally like Trump. I personally support him politically. I am not blind to his support of abortion and sexual depravity and the lockdowns and the jabs. Those are vicious and horrible. I do, however, recognize that he was the a bulwark against going uh, or going against this massive globalist takeover. Now, I will fully admit that may be a bias that I need to get rid of. I I, I am absolutely in prayer over that. At the same time, this is why I have tried to get back to what the Bible says. So I'm not trying to argue in support of Trump because I support Trump because of what Trump stands for. right? What I'm getting back to, whether it's being taught by Dave, uh, the fundamental law, or just getting back to what the Bible says, 
and understanding that it's not about clicking up or um, you know creating gangs or political power or parties or something like that about how to organize power, but it's actually getting back to what the Bible says. And for the last several months, I've been saying that power is not competed for. It is not something that you and I fight over. Power is arrayed by God. And this verse right here speaks about how God is going to do it according to his knowledge. Now, this is something that's been very hard for me to think about. It's been very hard for me to swallow. I mean, I I shouldn't put it like that. It's been very hard to keep that center stage in my mind. It's been very difficult to hold clear the fact that all power is arrayed by Jesus Christ. Christ says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and through 20, he says, All power in uh, heaven and earth are given to me. Go ye therefore, teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teach all nations to to obey all my commands. So Jesus has all power in heaven heaven and earth. He's got all authority in heaven and earth, which means that all the power that exists, all the power that we perceive, is distributed by Christ. Now, if the power has been distributed by Christ, then it's up to him and how he thinks and how he uses it to change things. And if the Bible is telling you that God doesn't like people filled with debate, whenever we organize ourselves according to political parties for the purposes of pursuing power, because we ultimately want to govern nations, what we are not doing is we're not actually looking at what Jesus wants. We're not actually looking at what God wants. There's articles that are saying that Tulsi Gabbard is going to be on Trump's shortlist. Could Tulsi Gabbard become Trump's very weird VP choice? Now think about this. If all that's needed to be done is to speak and say certain things, which is not hard, by the way. If all that's needed to be done is to have a resume to say the certain things in order to make people sound good. This woman just a few years ago was about the universal basic income. This woman just a few years ago was openly advocating for immigrants to be uh, naturalized in mass. This woman still holds the position that she supports baby butchering in the womb. She ain't a Christian. She is not a political or social conservative. Which means that the Republican Party is no longer about what it was originally founded on as an abolitionist party, a party trying to get rid of slavery. It's now about you know, a, a different perspective, which is just really going against the radical left. Right, The radical left is just ultimately just destroying the nation is all about the revolution. Now, keep in mind, this General Assembly picture from 1789, in 1792 was when the French Revolution really started kicking off. And that's when a man named Robespierre, or Maximilien Robespierre, he would just start chopping people's heads off in something called the guillotine, or the guillotine, however you want to say it. These dudes were chopping people's heads off because they were Jacobins. These Jacobins are far crazy radical leftists politically. They are in the orbit of AOC. They are in the orbit of what's-her-face that married her brother from Minnesota. Um, uh, I can't remember her name. Doesn't doesn't matter. Uh, She needs the gospel. But Tulsi Gabbard was affiliated, not as far left, but she's affiliated with that Justice League Democrat type stuff. 
This is where she's come from. This is where she's at. Now, she retired or left Congress, and she started to try to do a podcast. She started to do all this kind of stuff, and now she's reemerging. She's rebranding herself, which is something that Americans are very tolerant of. Americans are very tolerant of inconsistency because we value the underdog. We want the come from behind. We want those people rising up and overcoming big, powerful things. Now, that is a powerful American narrative and characteristic, but it's also one that keeps us completely distracted from what's true. Because this article, speaking about whether Tulsi Gabbard is the VP or not, is also being thrown in the mix whenever you've got other articles like this from Newsweek speaking about electoral maps. Now, what's the implication here? The implication is that the 2024 election is what the main focus is going to be about. Now, why is that the case? Because if you're looking at politics, you're looking about the fighting for the political power, the governing of the nation. You're wanting to get control of, the, of, of manipulating and moving the rudder. And so they're going to, the, the media will be bombarding your brain, whether it's through your eyes or through your ears, to dominate that key terrain. So that the key terrain of your mind has a layer on top of it that always speaks in terms of the political factions. And as long as you're identifying in terms of the political factions, you don't care that there's people who used to support a baby butchering in the womb who's now being mentioned as someone who could be the vice president of a political party that has traditionally been against this type of depravity. And if you don't have that ability to see that, it's because, likely, your knowledge is not based on what God says, but you want to debate. You're always going to be fighting because, ultimately, it's about getting power, which is what politics is about. And this includes Q. This, in this includes those people who believe the conspiracy theories of Q. Q's Gnosticism is not true. It does not point to the Bible even though it quotes the Bible, there will be people, well, it does point to the Bible. No, 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 no. When we say point to the Bible, we're trying to talk about what the Bible actually says. We're trying to talk about, look at this. And even as they that did not like to retain God in their knowledge, there is no knowledge of God in Q. None. Q never identifies Jesus Christ as the only way to salvation. Speaks about the gospel six times as they quote uh, Galatians chapter 6. But it never says what the gospel is and it does not make a positive affirmation of the gospel being necessary unto salvation for the remission of your sins. Does not happen. So do not miss the fact that Satan himself could present as an angel of light which means that he could come in the form of an AI-generated military operation to deceive autistic and or boomers who are afraid that their country is being destroyed and so that they want a prefabricated, you know, manipulatable, uh, you know, things that they can observe so as to give them comfort that there's a plan which really ultimately gets them to do what? Nothing. You're not actually doing anything. Which whenever you get back to the definition of politics, isn't that exactly what it is? It's the activities associated with the governing of a country. And if the activities that are associated with the governing of the country have a, a, a special emphasis on debating 
and you're not actually doing anything. You're just saying, hey, there's this proof that was this one-time proof. Look at the timestamp. Do you know how easy it would be for you to be able to publish a post at a specific time knowing that you've trained people to look at the timestamp of when a post was published so that they could then cross-reference that to another post to get them to reinforce in action because you've convinced them that someone's going to come to the rescue? Do you know how easy that would be? Elaborate, but do you know how easy it would be able to write that script? Especially whenever it's the Bible that speaks about it's God who knows the future. Now, if I can get you to understand that, this is where we need to repent from politics. Peter, uh, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and verse, uh, verse 8 through 11. Paul's writing here about repentance. Paul's writing here about repentance. I want to take a, a short break and I want to direct your attention to humblewb.coffee. If you want to send Bibles throughout the nation, you want people to read the Word of God, go to humblewb.coffee and as a free benefit of joining this private membership association whose purpose is to distribute Bibles throughout the nation, you will get your choice of coffee delivered right to your door. Humblewb.coffee. Humblewb.coffee. It's air roasted, not drum roasted. Let's get back to repentance. Here Paul's writing the church church of Corinthians or the church of Corinth. And he says, for I, for though I made you sorry with the letter. So he's writing with the letter. This is another letter. I do not repent. Paul is not going to turn away or change his thinking about making people feel sorry for writing a letter, right? He's saying, I'm not going to feel sorry for stepping on your toes and making you feel bad. Though I did repent, for I perceived that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. So Paul doesn't want to make people feel bad. He Like that hurts him. He repents from making people feel bad on a personal level. But he's saying, listen, if the, if the letter I wrote made you feel bad, I'm not going to repent from that. Because the letter he wrote, he's, inspired, he's the inspired apostle of Jesus Christ. What he's writing is from the Holy Spirit. So when the Bible is taught and it makes you feel bad, I'm not going to repent from that. I don't want to necessarily make you feel bad, but I'm not going to change telling you what's the truth. Even if it's for a season. Verse 9. Now I rejoice that ye were made sorry. Or excuse me. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. So the purpose of repentance and the people preaching repentance is not to make people feel bad. I don't like making people feel bad. I don't like making people feel like they're not good. What I do like is that if that sorrow brings a repentance... Specifically, for you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. In other words, if someone's telling you to repent from politics, because politics is this debate-filled, emotional-laden, manipulative ploy to get you to be gaslit into the idolatrous notion that power is competed for instead of distributed by God, then me saying that, If it hurts you, is not me wanting to hurt you, but to bring you to an understanding that you're being destroyed. You're being manipulated. You are being destroyed. Whether it's by things like Q, or it's discussions about electoral maps, or it's discussions about how who's going to be the vice president of the United States. Which candidate's going to be? Well, I'm the dark horse candidate. Think about that real fast. 
Someone calling someone a dark horse candidate is speaking about gambling on horse races. I'm the dark horse candidate. Which means the odds are not in the favor of this particular horse that you're gambling on. Which speaks about the uncertainty of the whole event, but you predicating your hope on this one dark horse. They're the dark horse candidate. I mean, really, really think about how we construe our language in America. Well, I'm, 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 a hard, I'm a hard right. I'm a right wing. I'm a, I'm a hard right wing. I'm soft. I'm a moderate. I'm in the center. No, you're not. No, you are not. No, you are not. You are either in Christ or you are not in Christ. You either have your knowledge based on what God says or you don't. Otherwise, you are just somebody competing and participating in the competing of power. At which point, you're stupid and you should repent. Verse 10. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. So if you feel bad, and the you feeling bad makes you work towards repentance to salvation, you're looking now to God. I repent of Q, I'm going to actually go read the Bible, not a stupid Q post. I repent of the Republican Party, I'm actually going to look to who Jesus is and how to be in his one church. Right? Repent of those things. If that repentance is working you to the Lord, that's a good repentance. That's a great thing. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. This means that if you are made to feel bad, but it's an earthly bad, then you're going to double down on foolishness. You're going to double down on debating. You're going to double down on wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, hold on, let me do this, without understanding, covenant breakers, you're going to be a liar, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, they that which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. You're not just going to do stuff God hates. You're going to enjoy doing stuff God hates. So if you hear this message of repentance from politics and it drives you more towards politics, you're a fool. You're going to get destroyed. But as Paul continues, he says, For behold, this this self-same thing. What's the self-same thing? Repentance. This repentance, self-same, meaning it's repentance of you. It's your individual repentance. That you sorrowed after a godly sort. What carefulness it wrought in you. This means that a godly sorrow will work something in you. So this self-same thing, that means this thing in you, the individual thing in you, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort. Someone sent you a message of biblical repentance. You are idolatrous. You're attached to something that's folly and destructive. When you hear this and it works towards a godly repentance, which is bringing you back to salvation, it's bringing you back to the Bible and what God teaches therein, it brings you back to Jesus Christ. This is good because what it does, look at this, what carefulness it wrought in you you will start to be careful of the things you let in your brain. You will start to take attention and give attention to your mind. Now think about this. If your mind is your castle, if your mind is your domain, your thoughts, who do you give your thoughts to? Because many people are going to try to come into the head, the walls of your head, 
They enter in through the eyes, they enter in through the ears, and they try to govern in your castle. They try to govern in your uh, kingdom. In your head, they try to rule. And as they try to rule, you are going to do bad stuff. You're going to believe bad things. You're going to behave bad things. You're going to participate and align yourself with bad people and do destructive things. And you're going to be doing this based on folly and you're going to be enjoying it. Now, when you hear the message of repentance, it will bring you a carefulness to work with how you think. This means that you will be judgmental of ideas. You don't just get to come in through my eyes or in through my ears and start rattling around in my head. You don't get just to to tell me what to do. So it brings a carefulness. It works carefulness in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. You're clearing these things out. You will pry bad ideas out of your life. If your brain has a bunch of pockets in it, think about different apartments in an apartment building. If your brain was an apartment building, you would go house to house, apartment to apartment, ejecting, evicting, and getting those people out. You don't belong here. I'm going to go house by house, room by room, level by level, story by story, person by person, thing by thing, and getting it out of my head. Which means you have to have the truth because the truth will be able to do that. What indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. You will be doing these things with indignation. You will hate how you used to be deceived. You will despise how you used to be uh, misled. The people that you once worked this unrighteousness with you won't want to be a part of anymore because you will understand how they are destroying you. You will do this with a zeal. Now this tracks with Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 and 7 when it says that the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall accomplish this. Jesus will get his way because Jesus wants to get his way. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 13 says he expects all enemies to be footstooled underneath him. And it says that in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7 that Jesus is going to make this happen because he wants to make this happen. So when you work a godly repentance and you're repenting from politics, you are no longer trying to work power according to worldly definitions. You are no longer trying to make the world look the way that you want it to look. Instead, you are going to be building your knowledge on the knowledge of God. You're going to start with the recognition that Jesus is king. Jesus is the one who distributes the power. He's the one who has all the authority, which means any perceived power in this earth is there because Christ put it there. But just because you perceive the power doesn't mean you get to respond to the power the way that you want to. It means that you respond to that power the way that Christ commands you, which is his wisdom. And that includes repentance. If you're not willing to repent and work for a godly sorrow to salvation, you're going to be working towards a sorrow of the world that works death. It means you're going to feel bad for not having your way and you're going to change. But because your change is not towards Jesus, your change is towards the world and you will be destroyed further. You will be destroyed in a a greater way. You're going to go from the right and the two-party system to Q, and you're going to check the decodes. You're going to do all the things. 
Or you're going to move from Trump to DeSantis. Or you're going to say, you know what? I think the vice president candidate should be Ben Carson. No, I think it should be Tulsi Gabbard. Or if you're on the quote left, we need to get rid of Biden and go for Michelle Obama or go for Hillary Clinton or whatever. These are political things. These are the rat race. This is the hamster wheel that keeps people stirring and moving their legs. This keeps people doing those activities. You're doing something. Yeah, you're doing something. I'm going to share this guy's content. But did you actually do anything or are you just pushing a button on the internet? If you're, if you're just retweeting my stuff and sharing my stuff, you're not doing anything. Well, Jim, we got to get this message out. No, 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 no. You need to be that message. If you hear the message of repentance and you just forward the link or you just retweet the space or you just say, hey, here's a book I read. That's not doing something. That's not an activity. That is a belief construed as an activity where someone could say, oh yeah, look at this. I shared your link. I shared your... But are you doing it? Are you doing these things? Are you walking the way that the Lord wants you to? If not, you are working repentance the way of the world and you will be destroyed. In all things, ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. You want to make sure every aspect of your life is on the same direction, the same path, following Jesus. This is not going to be one of a this is this this live stream is not going to be a popular live stream. This is not going to be one that people want to hear. This is not going to be one that most people will actually work their way through. Because this is one that's telling them to repent from politics and follow Jesus. Many people will come to see my stuff and say that, you know, um, Jaron, I like your, I like the affidavits you do. Jaron, I've learned from Dave. Thank you for, you know, turning me onto this. Amen. You know, I, I want what I do to glorify God. And, you know, if, if I don't, if I don't speak a message of repentance, specifically that of politics, um, government is the idol that's taking a lot of worship from God. My involvement in the fundamental law is to overcome that idol with Christ's wisdom, which I believe the founders instituted into our constitutions. That is my interest in it. So I will work that and I'll direct people to my teacher, Dave Jose. I will do that all day long. But if that right there takes your eyes off Jesus, I will push that to the side completely because if you are not following Christ, nothing else matters. Your nation won't matter. Restoring the nation won't matter. Nothing matters if you don't follow Jesus. And one of the biggest things that people are misled by is politics because they see it as the battle for competing with power so that they can direct the ship, so that they can change their world. I repent of that. I don't want any part of that. What I want is whenever I see evil, I want to overcome that evil with good. If that is in government or the law, I want to be able to see that, study the discipline to, to say what the Constitution says, and then have the courage to say to tell whoever's doing the bad thing, to tell them, here is the truth, you should do the truth. And then by God's grace, because Jesus has all the authority in heaven and earth, he can do whatever he wants. 
but I've been disciplined. I've checked all the parts of my brain to make sure that I'm right. I am, and I'm telling the truth and I'm doing it in faith and with courage because a lot of people are afraid of this government that is unlawfully and wickedly attacking people. So when you give notice and affidavit to government, that's a risk because the government could just blow up in your face. But when you study to show yourself approved, you are advancing that in love, in grace, because you want God to get the victory. And by doing that, he may, God may get the victory for you to get arrested and go have your head chopped off, John the Baptist. God may get the glory for you to get arrested and go be crucified on a Roman cross, Jesus Christ. He may have you have your head chopped off again, Apostle Paul. He may have you, as church tradition uh, communicates, have you crucified upside down, the Apostle Peter. You know, cut with the sword, the Apostle Matthew, right? Like, you might have physically, earthly bad things happen to you. But if you're doing it for him, that's what matters. And this is why this will be a very, you know, low-watched stream, but it's important because it's true. Folks, the most important thing that I do is point to Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus is the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only gospel that saves. Gospel means good news. The good news is that we are while dead in our trespass and deserving to go to hell, which is conscious eternal torment in a lake of fire where there is no light and you can feel the darkness. You can feel the darkness. It's going to be so dark where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. While we deserve that because we've sinned against God, Jesus was virgin born, lived a perfect and sinless life, and voluntarily took the cross. When he died, he was physically put in the grave. He physically rose from the grave. And whenever he came out, he said, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. And then he gave us a commission. He gave his disciples a mission. That mission is to reconcile the world to himself. We do that the way that Jesus does that. The response whenever you hear the gospel, that's the only way to go to heaven. The response when you hear the gospel that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, he was buried, and three days later he physically rose from the grave. When you hear that, it is to repent of your sin. Just like I'm calling to repent from politics, it is to repent of your sin. To identify the things that you know that you're doing wrong, that you know in your heart you're doing wrong, and turn away from them. The Bible will tell you what a sin is. The Bible will tell you what righteousness is. So you repent of your sin. And then lastly, you must be baptized in his name. This is important because this is how you get in Christ. The Bible talks about being in Christ, in Christ's body. The Bible, Jesus talks about in Matthew 7, be gone from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. So it's not about you knowing Christ. It's not about you having a relationship with Christ. It's not about you welcoming Jesus into your heart. None of that is in the Bible. What is in the Bible is being in Christ in his body. If you are in his body, you are saved because that's who he saves. He saves those who are in him. Because when we put on his robe of righteousness, that's how God looks at us. If you do not have Christ's robe of righteousness on, you are not in Christ. You are not saved. And many people will come to Jesus in that day and say, well, we did great things in your name. And he'll say, I never knew you. So you need to believe the gospel. You need to respond, which is to repent of your sins, 
confess that Christ is Lord, and be baptized in his name. Folks, the best way that you can help me is to go to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. This is an option for everybody. It's an invitation for everybody where you can take the money you're already spending and switch it over. When you switch it over, it's direct product purchase. It's online shopping where the products go directly to your house, directly to wherever you order them. The products uh, don't have hazardous industrial chemicals. In the American manufacturing company's history, they've never made a liability product. There's never been a product claim for any hazardous uh, uh, responses to any of, of, of their products because they use organic products and no hazardous uh, chemicals. So if that interests you, switch your shopping. Sign up at patriotswitch.com slash PatriotSwitch.com slash Jaren. Lord willing, I'll be back on Monday. Until then, my name is Jaren Jackson. I do love America. Do not quit. Repent of politics. Go to war.